0: Uh, hey, just a, a word on Karenette. That's a great ministry and uh, we support that. And so on your way out, grab a baby bottle, fill it with some change. That might not seem a big thing, but it would possibly save a life. And uh, that's huge. And then I, I also want to add, we got a slide up here. Uh, whoops, we went past that. There we go there. Oh, there we go. Should be right there. Happy Mother's Day. There we go. And, uh, you know, Mother's Day is a sensitive thing because some people want to be moms and they can't and some were and aren't. And, I mean, it's just a, a tender thing. But those of you who are moms, honor to you. To my wife, a very significant deal. Yes, and blessings on that. And uh, for the rest, know that the Lord's love for you is no less than for moms, right? So we take that in balance and take that in stride and with love and, and do that. But... um we're studying in a, a series this morning on responsibility, and uh, we want to start with our verse. You're probably going to have this memorized by the time we're done, right? That That's the goal and intention of it um, as we're talking. So what we're going to talk about this morning is uh, the the Mariners won last night, <laughs> right? And they're actually doing well, and so we can talk about them, and, uh, which is a good thing. And... Uh, so, and I just, I, w- I picked them to win 92 this year, okay? And everybody thought I was nuts. So I'm, I'm, I look like an idiot the first week. Now I'm starting to look better. So we'll see how it rolls out. But the thing in baseball, if you are at the batter's box, and you're up, and, and let's say they're pitching to you, and you hit a double, and you run across the pitcher's mound to second base, right? Which Mariners have done in previous history. Okay. What, if you do that, what happens? You are out. Okay. Why? You hit a double. right? You went to second. What did you miss? First base. right? This morning we are talking about first base. The message we're talking about is as old as Christianity itself. It has been done millions of times. Uh, but we're talking about first base and the issue when we talk about uh, responsibility, when God speaks to us and then we start to cooperate with Him and we start to join into His work, and we're talking about stewardship, the very first thing we must exercise stewardship in is the stewardship of our heart. It is first base. You don't go anywhere if you don't get first base down. And always, if you think of the Lord's conversation, it always comes back to first base. Right? His conversation always, if you think of the... Where's your heart right now? Where's your heart? Is it with me? And, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's pray this morning. Father, thank You. Uh, looks like a lot of Mother's Day breakfasts are going on this first hour, and I'll bet you the second hour will be packed. And so may You bless families as they're doing family things together. As we are here this morning, we're thinking about something that is the, the most basic of basics. Uh, in Your Word, whether people would give their heart to You or not, was the key issue. It was the key issue for Nicodemus. It was the key issue for the woman at the well. It was the key issue for the man born blind. It was the key issue for the rich young ruler. All of them responded in various and different ways, but all of them, uh, it was a heart issue. And Lord, as we come, we recognize that our hearts are no different than the hearts of all mankind, and that we also are affected by sin. We uh, know that from our journey with You. As we think about this this morning, We want to be a church of the first heart. We want to be a church that loves You deeply and is uh, impassioned from a heart level. So, um, we ask for Your help on on that. We ask for Your assistance to bore through those places and to work with us and to help our heart be healthy. To help our heart not have heart disease. To help our heart be an open channel to You. And we give that to You in Your name. Amen. Right, I'm praying like that because uh, I was not always a person of an open heart. right, some of you maybe were, but uh, we were uh, at uh, prom night last night and uh, Pam and I had a great time sitting around with families, found out some of them were believers and they went to Gold Creek and we were just having a great time around the table and uh, one of the moms was sharing how she wasn't always the way she was, she was quite different and I said, Oh, yeah, that was true for me too. And they kind of looked at me like, Oh, no, what are you talking about? You're a pastor. I said, Well, I wasn't always a pastor. And, uh, and then I told a couple of funny stories, and Pam hung her head, and, you know, it was one of those deals. But uh, I started to realize how the Lord has had to work on my heart for years. And I say that for those of you who struggle and somehow think your heart should be perfect at this point, or you should have already arrived, or you should have made it, and it's not there. Right? and you're still wrestling with that, that's all part of the process. All right? uh, learning to love God and learning to give Him first place is a life, lifelong journey. So, uh, this morning here, as we're looking at this verse, it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. There's the great promise of the Bible. God is building His kingdom, and He will give. let us enter His kingdom, and that kingdom cannot be taken away from us. I just think it's a fabulous promise. Let us therefore uh, offer to God acceptable worship. And the two key words there, reverence and awe. Reverence is I hold you in the honor you are to be held. And awe is you're pretty overwhelming when I really see you for the who you really are. Wow. Okay? And so reverence and awe are two key components in that. For our God is a consuming fire. And we talked about that picture that vision of Daniel at the throne and the fire coming out of the throne and just what that would actually be like. And it just says that there's an accountability piece coming that we need to be aware of. We've also been talking about that when God speaks, we need to respond. We use the illustration of Abraham. Uh, And that initial response in our heart is a faith response. And then when we follow through on faith, that's called obedience. So God initiates grace. He speaks to us. It speaks a word of faith in our heart. When we step out in that faith, then that becomes obedience. And we're, I want to make it clear because in our culture, faith is a muddy word. Um, and if you watch any of the televangelists or that kind of stuff, it's like, you know, it's having faith for faith's sake and, or faith in faith kind of, almost sort of deal. And that is not what we're talking about. We are talking about having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ the resurrected Christ, placing your faith in His claims of who He claimed to be and in the promises of the resurrection that we just celebrated in Easter. That's what we're talking about being anchored in. It is not this silly notion of I'm okay because I have faith or I have faith in faith. Uh, That is something that you often hear people say, well, I'm a person of faith. And my question is, well, faith in what? What is your source of faith or what's your target of faith? What is that aimed at? Because when I say I have faith, uh, for example, if I sit in the chairs like you are this morning, I have faith that chair will hold me up. All right, And most of the time, that is a pretty true, it works pretty well, right? When I say I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm saying I believe His promises when He says, I will save you. I will give you eternal life. I'm saying I anchor in that. I trust that. Now, I don't know why I'm amping on that, but to me that's important this morning. All right. So he is our first response, our first priority. So, therefore, like I said, when it comes to worship, the absolute first part of stewardship, when you talk about being a good steward, stewards are entrusted with things. As a steward in your life, you are entrusted with things, I'm entrusted with things, and we are to take care of the things that God has put us in charge of. The very first thing that we must manage as a steward, that we are in charge of, is our heart. Uh, it is called the stewardship of the heart. Jesus uh, did this. One of the teachers of the law came in, and, and he heard them debating with the Pharisees and the teachers and Noticing Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, he said, alright, and here's a good question. Of all the commandments, right? just think of all the rules there are in America. Think of all the laws passed every year. Of all the commandments, of all the laws, which is the greatest? Which is the most important? And Jesus said this. He said the most important one is this. Hero Israel, and he's quoting directly out of Deuteronomy. So you can go right in Deuteronomy uh, Chapter 6 and see this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That would be in modern language what? You're in the zone. Right? If you use an athletic term. You're in the zone. Hello, athletic people looking at, got it, right? Okay. The rest of you are going, what? Okay. You're focused. You're in the zone. You're locked in. All your strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. But notice of those two commandments, which are the greatest two commandments, the one that is to capture our primary focus is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. But notice that it is the heart that's first. God doesn't want just our strength, which means we're like mules and are just doggedly obedient and plugging along. He doesn't want just... Uh, our mind although he wants that, and we're talking about that next week but what he really wants is our heart and think about it if you're in a love relationship isn't that what you want right you don't want just performance you don't want just okay i'm walking with you i hope it's fun you want heart right that is and to keep that love alive in marriage is very important we spend a lot of time on it well, it's even more important to keep that first love alive with Jesus. We, uh, if you're using Seahawks language or Russell Wilson language, it's called being all in, right? That's the popular way to put it. It's all in. It means you're not holding out, or you're not. Probably the the best word picture I have that's not a word picture is you don't do this, right? Oh yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, I'm. Because mm-hmm. we pick up on that, right? Ever have somebody tell you they're all in with you, but you sense they're holding back, and you sense that isn't really true, and and God is super sensitive to that, the Holy Spirit is super sensitive to that. He knows if we have this up and we're waving him in, He's going, well, what about that? Oh, well, that's as far as you can come, but really, I want to be tight with you. All right, now does that make sense? No. All right, so when we're talking about stewardship of a heart, we're talking about this blocking thing we drop and we have to trust his intentions for our heart this is not so much a structure of faith it is it is the lifeblood and the pulse of faith i trust you i will let you in now i don't know what that means for all of us it might mean different things for all of us and at different stages of life that mean different things but here's the thing it always means all in It's never any different. It always means all in. And so when we're talking about stewardship of the heart, uh, and we're talking about that, that is the priority of worship. Uh, Jesus is having the conversation with the woman at the well. Remember that? Uh, John chapter 4. And He's talking to her. And he says to them, believe me, a time's coming when you'll worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. It's kind of ironic because it's Jesus talking to her. And, uh, and it, in this priority of worship, he says this. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father. And here's the two key words, in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. And here's one thing I know about God. Anywhere in the New Testament or the Old Testament where He repeats something, it's not because He's bored or He's run out of words. When God doubles up on something, it's because it's really important, and that means pay attention here. Lock in on this. Notice this. And when He says we must worship in spirit and in truth, that's an important concept. Two things. In spirit. That means we must be alive to God's Spirit. We must be attached to Him as a person. We can only do that when we surrender and give our lives to the Lordship of Christ. I ask you to come in, forgive me of my sins and wash me and heal me and give to me eternal life. And when we do that, we call that being born again. We call that being saved. There's all kinds of words you can use for it. But it means I really come into a relationship with God. And when I come into that relationship with God, then I have to move away from lies and I need to start operating in the truth. Again, I want to give us the picture. Truth is the language of heaven. Why do we not lie? The most basic reason why we shouldn't lie is because God doesn't lie. I know that's a third grade level explanation, but it works pretty good, right? Right? We shouldn't lie because God doesn't lie. Truth is the language of heaven. On the other hand, from John chapter 8, we know that lying is what? The language of hell. That Satan is not only a liar, but he's the father of lies. And when he lies, he tells his native language. And so, anything that has to do with moving towards God has to be walking away from lies and having to move towards truth. And worship is the part where I do that process. I give, I focus on God, and therefore the truth becomes preeminent in my life, not the lie. Some of the most amazing things is when you're captured by a lie and don't know it. Okay, When you're captured by a lie and don't know it. How many people are captured by the lie, for example, in America right now, that church doesn't matter? Doesn't matter if you don't show up on Sunday. Doesn't matter if you come. Doesn't matter anymore. Um, what's really important are the sporting events. How many people in our country do you think? And how much worship is lost in our country because of that? I want to suggest you, and I hate to say this uh, because it, it cuts against me, and that's why I don't like it. If it convicted you, that'd be great. Um, but I really believe that the sporting events in our country, as much as I love them, are really the new high places. Okay? And they are stealing millions of people away from true worship in the Lord. And I say that being a full-out uh, Seahawk fan, having grown up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and going to the Mariners game on Wednesday. <laughs> okay? Taking the staff, just want you to know. And yes, we're going to have fun. Okay? But having said that, when you think about sporting events and Sundays and, and what they've done, um, it is the new high place. It is the other alternate form of worship. Matter of fact, you've probably heard some of the commercials on the radio. They are incredibly sacrilegious in stealing faith language and talking about a relationship with baseball or football like you're having a relationship with the Lord. Come worship at the altar of, right? And I'm thinking, wow, I don't know all what to do with that. I just know it's dangerous. The woman said, yeah, I know that Messiah is coming. When He comes, He'll explain everything to us. And Jesus declared to her, He looked her right in the eye and said, I, the one who's speaking to you, am He. And so we affirm that. We say Jesus is who He claimed to be. That He was and is the Messiah. Worship, when you think of worship, it is the first expression of the heart. Not two, three, four, or five. It doesn't show up at the end of the week that Sunday is the first of the week. And and worship is an expression of our heart. So that's why a lot of times when we talk about worshiping the Lord, we talk about having a quiet time. And a quiet time is when you spend time uh, with the Lord in the Word, listening to Him as your dad talking to you. right? And you go, wow, I never saw that before. And that's a lot of times why many of us do that early in the morning. Because it's a form of worship and it's a form of first priority. It's the first thing we do in the morning. Some of us uh, have a hard time with that, so we read at night to get a jump on the morning. That works too, right? But it's an idea of first priority in my heart. First expression of the heart. Now here's the danger. The danger, of course, is losing our first love. Having something else steal it, or just going on in life, and you just kind of slide off the road into the ditch. And Jesus used to be there, but he's not there anymore. And you try to connect, and it feels off, and you don't know what really went. And in Revelation chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, but I think we know this. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is speaking, and he says to the angel in the church of Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. In other words, I'm watching. I paid attention. I know your deeds. Your hard work, your perseverance, how you hang in there. I know you can't tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not and found them to be false. Then he says this. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. That is noteworthy and commendable. He's not getting on them for that. He's, that is commendable. Yet, I hold this against you. When Jesus looks at that church, it's a, it's a faithful church. It's a persevering church. It's a steadfast church. It hangs in there. It does all the, those kind of right things. What's the critique? You've forsaken what? Your first love. You're kind of in love with the stuff you're doing for me and you've forgotten to love me. Can that happen in a church? I'm sure it can. Right? We look at what we're doing and say that's what matters instead of, hey, why am I doing what I'm doing? And Jesus here is not critiquing what they're doing so much as what? The why they're doing what they're doing. And at this stage of the game for a lot of us, it's motive. It's not what I'm doing in my life. It's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And in this, he critiques their motive and says, I have this one thing against you. You've lost your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Look at the picture he goes there. And this would be very similar. Like, remember when you were first dating? Right? Now, some of you aren't married yet, so you're like, no. Okay, but pretend. But those of us who are married, that's funny. You're not awake this morning. Okay, here we go. Right? For somebody, remember, go back to when you first date. Remember when you fell? Remember what that was like, that rush, that whoo-hoo-wow kind of thing, right? And 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 it's like we say that's the heights, right? And Jesus says that you've fallen from that. Not with each other, but with me. You don't get whoo-hoo with me anymore. I don't captivate you anymore. I don't uh, attract you anymore. I don't thrill you anymore. You're not in awe of me anymore. He says, that you've fallen from a great height. What's the word there? Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent and do the things that you did at first. We'll come back to that. That'll be the close of the message. There's also a danger of a wandering heart. In the um, book of Hebrews, chapter 3, it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful heart. Unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In other words, sin can fool us; it can lie to us. Uh, it's a con job. It, we can be taken. And it's, here it's saying, be careful. Of that as a matter of fact, primary purpose of fellowship together, of meeting on Sundays, and doing all the things we do, is that we would encourage each other to stay in the faith. And uh, Again, if you look at our country, there are massive tools and devices out there designed to what? Pull people away from faith. Pull people away from the church. Pull people away from first love. to Pull people away from from worship. It says, don't have a sinful, unbelieving heart. When it's talking about the heart here, What's it talking about? I think this is important. In the hymn "Come Thou Fount," right? You know that. There's a very immortal line in there. It says, "Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to what? Leave the God I love." That's a strange verse, and yet it is brilliant. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God. In other words, I sense this drift in me. I'm supposed to keep watching you as I go this way. Have you ever felt your heart drift? Have you ever felt it just sliding off to the side? Uh, Lots of things can go wrong with the heart. We can have here, as it's talking about, a deceived heart. uh, Where something else whispers to us and we buy into a lie and therefore we become deceived. Scripture also says, it talks about we can have a hard heart. Uh, Maybe we prayed about something or maybe... We wanted God to do something and He didn't do it the way we wanted to and so we got mad at Him and so then we hardened our heart up and said, fine. You want to act that way? Then I'll act this way and I'm not budging till you do something. And we try to manipulate God on the level of a four-year-old. By the way, how well does that work? You ever notice He's really not impressed with our temper tantrums? Uh, God is not into being manipulated. He won't be. All right? And if we can pound and stamp our feet and do all we want, but He is not going to be manipulated by us. He is God Almighty. He is the Holy God. He is the living God. He is the risen God. And He's standing in the anchor of truth. So He's going to react to us as anchor of the truth. But we can get a hard heart. We can get mad at Him. A lot of times, uh, half of my counseling, when I meet with people, is they're mad over some issue or some subject or some topic and we'll spend 45 minutes and at the end of all that I'll say, has it occurred to you you're mad at God? I'm not mad at God. Really? Well, that's kind of a strong reaction to not be mad at God. Have you thought about that you're mad? Well, why would I be mad at God? Because He hasn't done for you what you wanted Him to do. We're so ingrained that that's wrong to say that we we won't say that, but the truth is we're mad at God. And we're a lot healthier if you admit you're mad. By the way, he's a big guy. He can take it. Okay? He's not going to go, ooh, Matt who's mad at me. Well, that's going to wreck my week. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure, you betcha. You know? The other thing Scripture says is we can have a stubborn heart. You ever just been mule headed with God? Please do this. No. Please, I'll ask you. No. You ever just drug your feet and dug your heels in and you know He's asked you to and you've just said No. I know there's not a stubborn person here in the room, but pretending there might be, have you ever had a stubborn heart where you just said no? All of these are things that say nine-tenths of the problem is our own heart. Our own heart can lie to us. Our own, own heart trips us up. Our own heart can deceive us as to what's really important. That means sometimes the fiercest battle we're fighting is the battle within, not the battles from without. And that's why they're deceptive because we aren't expecting it to come from there. Jeremiah in in chapter 17, verse 9 and 10 says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's kind of a predicament. But then it goes on to say, I, the Lord, search what? The heart and the mind. By the way, on Sunday mornings, you need to know this. We pray on Sunday mornings and one of the things that is my great hope is that when we're gathered here and you're sitting here like this and I do my speaking thing and I know that, and I know that it's supposed to be good and I work hard at it being good and I hope it's effective. But what I'm really counting on is that while I'm speaking, God is searching our hearts individually by His Spirit and He is saying something. And sometimes you might hear something that has nothing to do with the message at all. And you might hear something from the Lord and you thought it was part of the message. And sometimes you come up to me and say, That was such an awesome part of the message when you said this. And I'm in my head going, I never said that. But I know who did. And I, what do I tell you? That's awesome. You should really track with that point because I think God was trying to underline that for you. Right? Because it's God who searches our minds and our hearts. He says, I search the heart and I examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Now, that's a little scary. How clean were you of sin this week? All right We're prone to sin, and it says here: I examine the mind, and I search the heart, and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct. By the way, next week we'll talk about examining the mind because that's the second part of stewardship, according to what their deeds deserve. That should cause repentance really quick. Okay. All right, let's go blank here for a second. I just want to talk to you about the differences between men and women in terms of. worship and and that, because as guys and gals, we're wired differently, in case you haven't noticed that, and we approach things differently. And so uh, I want to talk about that for a second. Here's some differences between the way men and women worship, i.e. love. Uh, Guys, we'll start with you, okay? So for us as men, it's an issue of honor, right? When God says, love me, we see that as an honor issue. We see that as a military issue. Who do I line up with? Who do I uh, give my uh, honor to? Who do I look up to? Or, or who do I sign up or give my allegiance to? Right? Who do I want to be identified with? You know, if you think about sports teams, it's so much of who I want to be identified with, right? And, uh, and, and line up with. And so we see it that way. We see it uh, in terms of um, where I give my glory to. Who do we bow the knee to? And so, for guys, even musically, it's very different for us as guys because a uh, mighty fortress is our God rings true with us. Onward Christian soldiers make sense to us. Stand up for, stand up for Jesus makes sense to us. We were meant to be courageous. Uh, Tom Petty, I won't back down. right? We rally to those kind of songs. Yeah, you got that one. Okay, there we go. We're waking up. Right? We, we rally to that kind of tone, that kind of theme, because that's how God's wired us. That's... Uh, How he's built into us. Uh, Even movies. Movies. uh, If you've noticed, gals, we're very different in movies, right? Um, We like the scene in Narnia. When they're going into battle and the things start to move and you recognize they're outnumbered, but they're rolling. Prince William says, are you with me? And the guy says, to the death. Yes! Right? Boom! Lock it in. We're like, go! Right? Because at that point, it really doesn't matter. You're just moving. We We groove on that. 300, right? <clears throat> we're in, right? We're, we're crashing the scene. Gladiator. We go to that. Braveheart, right? Freedom, right? <laughs> Captain America. We like Captain America. He stands for honor and truth and all that's good and right. Doing it the what right way? What does he say in the movie? I guess I'm old fashioned. I do things the right way. And we go yes, right? Whoa! We got that kind of thing going. Ben Hur, right? That movie, right? Remember that scene where the guy's going to whip and, and all of a sudden it's Jesus offering the water and the guy just backs up and goes, whoa. Every time I watch that movie in the movie theater, when it gets to that point, the crowd erupts into cheers. Why? Because they recognize the honor issue, right? They're like, whoa, do not mess with that guy. And as guys, we rally to power. We rally to that sort of thing. And, and we've got to remember that Jesus is ultimate power. He is not losing. And that's what we're called to respond to. Now, gals, for you, it's a little different. Eh? Because you are wired differently. It's who you open your heart to. It's who you give your heart to. Um, you know, think of music in the church when we sing that song, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. And all the ladies go... Mm. Right. It's just like one warm hug and all us guys are going. Err. OK, that's just a kind of a weird song for us to dance around. Right. We just don't quite quite get that um, songs like I love you, Lord. Oh, yes. Jesus, lover of my soul. Mm. Right. And most of the music played on KCMS, which is why guys turn it off. OK. Because they can't stand pre-hormonal 14-year-old girls singing about their vast love for Jesus. And, you know, it's just because his guys are like, ugh, right? But ladies are like, ah, oh, 80% of the audience for KCMS, KCMS is who? Women. 80% of the books sold are for who? Women, okay? Because we're wired that way. And they've tapped into that. That's not bad. It just means it's different. Movies, okay? Movies are very different. We call them chick flicks, right? And guys, you're an honorable man if you watch a chick flick. Where you say that wasn't too bad, right? Oh, thank you, honey, right? But Romeo and Juliet, right? That's a pathetically tragic story. Makes no sense at all, and yet for gals, <laughs> oh, oh, it was awesome, right? It's just we're wired that way. Uh, the movie up has a phenomenal uh, sequence in the beginning of the movie of how the guy and the gal fall in love, and if you watch that, it 's just brilliant it 's the best eight minutes that Pixar ever put together. Okay? It captures a love story and you track that, and it just all you watch little girls watch that part and they come alive watching that sequence in that in that movie. a uh, fireproof, right? Is about a guy in purity, but you watch the gal's response and you watch her heart and you watch her soften back up. And then she stands in the fire station and and is crying saying, I want what you've got. Right. Oh, yes. Right. What's what's a tapping? The heart issue. Why does that work? Because, gals, that's how you're wired. That's that's how God puts you. That's what makes you glow. The notebook. See, all the gals going, yes, the notebook. The guy's going, huh? You know, what is that? So guys stand with, gals give their heart. Guys honor, gals love. Both are called to worship. Both are called to the stewardship of their heart. Does that make sense? And here's what it says about the heart when you look at uh, Scripture. Always be on guard. Always guard your heart. You know, Monsters, Inc. There's uh, uh, the gal who, Mike Wazowski, right? And... uh, he comes to the window and and she says what? Rose. I'm watching Wazowski. Always watching. Right? Not bad, huh? <laughs> and it's that idea there of always being on guard with our hearts. Proverbs 4 says this, and it's, it's old and it's awesome and brilliant. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. In other words, give your heart to them. Let me let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within where your heart. Where is scripture supposed to be hid. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For what? From it flow the springs of life. Uh, If you go to NIV, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In other words, who you are as a person comes out of your heart. Who you really are. And that's why wounds to the heart are such significant, significant things. Well, let's go back to the future here. All right. Back in that passage of Revelation 2, it says, Yet this I hold against you, you have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Let me take you back, and I want you to take you back through the journey of your life to the place where Jesus got your attention. To the place where He connected with you. Alright, that's going to be different for all of us. For me, that was 35 years ago. right. When he connected with you, what was your response? And do you remember what the conversation was with him? And do you remember how you responded to it? Do you remember how he got your attention? That it wasn't just a story anymore? Do you remember the moment when it was no longer just words? You actually ran into him? Uh, Parents, I tell you all the time, it's great your kids grow up in church. We do the best job possible. But here's the deal. Unless they meet Jesus himself, they ain't got it. Right? And they can have all the right professions of faith you want, but unless they meet Him themselves. And that's why in this church we pray that they have run-in encounters with the living Christ. And sometimes that does not make for the neatest, nicest uh, home life. right? Because chiefly as they struggle with that, you get to suffer as parents. But here's the deal. It's far better they struggle while they're in your home than when they're off to college or something. And it's far better that they meet Jesus when they're in your home than you wait till 20 years later and they're 45 years old and their life's a wreck and suddenly they find the Lord. Because now all their potential's lost. We want their potential captured now. And that chiefly means we get to suffer as parents. And a lot of times we think parenting is about us. Why? Because it's a hard issue. Right? Here's the deal What was it like when you first met Jesus? Do you remember? You remember what is stop for a second, quit looking at me, think about, go back in your journey. Do you remember when you first knew him? Do you remember what was your attitude like? What was your enthusiasm level like? What was your response to him like? Now for some of us it may have been really rocky because we were in a process coming through and it wasn't a clean, neat thing. Some of us may have had blow-up explosion moments with it, like I did. Others of us may have had like what I call a dawning or an awareness. Where all of a sudden, it, it's like somebody, you know, in, in your living rooms, you have those lights you can turn on, right? And it just comes up and it's a real stat and all of a sudden all it's bright. And some of us had that kind of experience. All of those are valid, but for you, when you first met Him, what was it like? Because primarily, when we gather for church to worship, it is a stewardship of the heart. It is heart maintenance. Heart health, right? That's big in our culture. We we do all kinds of things so we don't have heart disease, so that we don't have uh, cardiac arrest and heart attacks and that kind of stuff. Well, what scripture's saying here is that the spiritual health of your heart, that inner controls place, that that place inside of you that nobody else gets into except you, that's every bit as important as your physical heart. And part of stewardship are you taking care of your heart. That's why praying together, husbands and wives, in your marriages, that's why praying together is so important and that's why Satan fights it so hard. Is it, can, is it, can you deceive a couple easily if they're praying together? No. But if they're not praying together, they can be split. They can be deceived. One of them can be fooled. Right. Heart health is the first issue of stewardship is to maintain the health of your spiritual heart, to not fall from that place that Jesus says, uh, He says, repent, turn back to what? Your first love. First love means what? First. Not second, third, fourth, fifth, or you get the leftovers at the end of the week, or God, we do everything fun during the week, we stay up till 2 at Saturday night, and we'll just throw you a bone on Sunday and you should be happy. Mm-mm. Means on Saturday night you're getting ready for Sunday morning. Means you're getting ready for your first love. You're getting ready to prepare. You're going back to first love. Stewardship of the heart. Not easy, Very important. Let's pray. Father, as we've talked about this, there's probably innumerable steps. There's probably bumps that you can give us in terms of what that looks like to you and where You would like to bend us. Where, where You'd like to speak to us individually, Father, and You'd like to say, hey, for You, this would be something that I would tell You that I, I would like to see. For some of us, Lord, that may be stopping. Some of us run so hard, we never stop long enough to pay attention to You. For some of us, Lord, it may be in the Word. We just have never been people of the Word and uh, we've never read through Your Word. and Or maybe we're reading through Your Word, Lord, and we started that reading through the Bible and we, we quit. And we need to pick it back up again. For some of us, maybe as couples, it's, it's praying together and building prayer in our life. All those things help keep first love first and help keep heart health. Whatever it is, Lord, it may be something completely different than what I'm saying. As you search the heart and you examine the minds this morning, you have freedom to bump us. We're here to give our attention to you. And we pray that uh, you will be blessed. Uh, I pray you're blessed by those who've made the effort this morning, who have come to take you seriously. And they've come to give you their attention. Lord, that's worship. And I pray you're pleased with it in your name. Amen.